Everybody, it is that glorious time once again that we call the Everybody Trades Podcast with your host, me, John Miller. How's it going? As usual, I hope this finds you well. My goodness, it's been an interesting earnings season in the stock market, hasn't it? Holy crap, the last two days have been horrible. What is happening? If you're in technology stocks, if you're in the NASDAQ at all, you've got to be a little nervous, right? I know I am. Well, nervous. Listen, here's the deal. I don't panic in the stock market. I don't. I look at the data. I don't care what's happening in the stock market. It's a weird, confusing world sometimes, but that's why I'm a big picture guy. That's why I'm a more long-term guy. I don't get all that freaked out about things that are just price-based, that are based on purely price movement and not based on news movement. Not based on, more importantly, the news movement, because sometimes news doesn't mirror reality. I'm more interested in reality. Let's stick with reality. And my first point here is we've got lots of action, lots of pin action, off of Facebook's tough quarter. And then the next day, Twitter reported some tough earnings as well, sending both stocks were down 15, 20% in one day. I mean, that's brutal. If you happen to own those stocks, that is absolutely brutal. Now, the interesting thing is, I owned Facebook for many years and actually got out of it at about, oh gosh, what was it, 165, 170? I think 165. We'll go with that. I don't want to give myself too much credit here. And now it's trading 170, 175, I believe. Uh, but that was after it already went up to 200, 210, I believe. The thing is, I think it's weird how we only focus, and by we, I mean just the general media. Like if you go to Drudge Report, you go to Google News, I don't care what you go to. The fact that Facebook fell 20% in one day got far more coverage in Inc. than its run-up from 175 to 200. It's, it's 20% increase that it had gotten in the previous period of time. And that actually brings me to a good point about the market in general. It's amazing how quickly lately, in the last couple years or so, that gains that were built over the course of months can go away in a matter of days. And that actually, I shouldn't say that's just unique to today. It just seems like it's even more, more accurate than it used to be. I'll just say though, if you follow me on my everybody trades website, I got in to some more Dropbox. Obviously I was already in Dropbox before, but I increased my position by about 58% today because I just thought, we're now at a 52-week low, quote-unquote. I say 52-week low, quote-unquote, because Dropbox hasn't been public for 52 weeks. It's only been public since about April, if my memory serves correctly. The thing with Dropbox is, I just think 
that's a great company that is still going to gather the sort of cash tag, what I call forget it money. It's going to keep accumulating its monthly fees regardless of what has happened with Facebook or Twitter's quarter, right? I just think that's a severe overreaction. And the thing is, yeah, I mean, Apple has its own Dropbox-like feature too. And again, they're a competitor of, of Spotify, another thing that was down, that's been down the last couple of days pretty sharply. But again, we still are holding a nice gain with it if you've followed me at everybodytrades.com or this podcast. The point I'm trying to make here is let's just take a bigger picture view of what's happening. This is something I emphasize a lot, but there's a lot of weird noise and sharp movements that happen that don't necessarily make logical sense when you start looking back on it with the benefit of time and retrospect months later. But guess what? We're not months later right now when it comes to my Netflix position and frankly, my Spotify position the last couple days or my Dropbox position, which I'm down on. At the moment, these are painful. You have to learn how to take pain if you're in this game. That's just all there is to it. If you're going to panic out, if you're going to make a statement with your money, you know the the old statement, put your money where your mouth is? Well, guess what? Every day, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. And sometimes I'm wrong. And that's a very painful process. And I feel like that's a process that a lot of people in our society don't have to necessarily go through. And I feel sorry for these people. To not have to put your own ideas up to true real-life scrutiny and have them occasionally bite you right in the ass, to me, I feel bad for these people. It's sort of like the people that never got to play sports at any point in their life or never were in any kind of real competition. I feel bad for these people. That's a part of life that I think is incredibly important. It's important to get knocked down every once in a while. It's important to put yourself out there and get knocked down and and also triumph occasionally too and, and learn from all of that and hopefully learn some humility too in terms of well, gosh, I even though this time I got it right, I'm always going to have to keep moving forward. There is no top of the mountain. There is no gold medal of life where you go, I won. No, it's all about what have you done for me lately? And unfortunately, that feels unfair sometimes, but that's just reality. Nobody cares what you did five years ago. No, I mean, that's not totally true. Some people do care what you did five years ago if it's really impressive. But what I'm trying to get at is if you're a great person five years ago and then you're not a good person to me today, I'm going to be much more focused on you not being a good person to me today. Does that make sense? Now, that's just kind of a big, long way of getting to stick with me for the long term because if I... No matter how well I've done in the last week or two, which honestly, I'm completely fine with everything. I I stand by my entire career. But if you're mad at me because the last couple days my returns haven't been great, I would point out to you that how many people do you know that can say they've been in this business for 12, 13 years and are still going? 
stick with me for the long term. And the only, and I'm not saying any of this to brag about myself necessarily, although, hey, I probably should learn to self-promote a little better, frankly. But if you're the specialist, don't question yourself based on the opinions of a bunch of plebs, a bunch of people that don't know what you know. See, it's natural for many people to sort of be people pleasers and to want to get along. We're, we're, we're social animals. Human beings are social beings. We like to sort of get along with other people and fit in. And that's all fine and dandy. But when it comes to investing, you can't be so locked into the to the mainstream opinion that you lose what is the real truth. And you have to find, I hate the phrase, the phrase, the most overused phrase of our, of 2018 is probably your truth or my truth, but we need to find the truth and finding the truth is about honing your own instincts. So let's figure out what that entails. Frankly, if I could give one piece of investment advice right now. It would be to buy defense stocks. And if you look at my portfolio at everybodytrades.com, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, those are among my biggest winners and are among the biggest winners I've ever had in my my, uh, my career, quite frankly. I think we have to stick with RTN in particular, Raytheon, as well as Huntington Ingalls, HII. Those are the two symbols. It just seems like the stock market is getting more and more sort of short-term oriented, which is bizarre to me, uh, at least as far as the reactions to every every piece of news is very, very short-term oriented, and we get lost in the forest because we're too into the trees or whatever that stupid analogy is long term, no matter what happens, listen, if Donald Trump and his administration miraculously negotiate a bunch of peace deals, which I'm not necessarily, not necessarily, which I'm not expecting. If he miraculously does that, I still absolutely believe that the rest of the world is going to have to pick up their defense spending. And the best defense, quote-unquote, or offense, if you want to call it that, contractors in the world are still the big American ones like Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed, General Dynamics, etc., etc., etc. Also, Huntington Ingalls, if you're into the shipping part of it, the Navy part of the equation. Okay, enough with the stock market already. I'm tired of it. It's simple economics, son. I don't understand it at all. But, God, I love it. So there was this tweet that I saw recently. One thing I try to do is I try to not... I try to pick on people that are obviously above me in terms of public reach. You know, the Paul Krugmans of the world. The people, like the guy who's the New York Times quote-unquote economic columnist. Or actual politicians, public figures. People like that. So having said that, I'm going to pick on somebody who just has a Twitter account. But the reason is, the following tweet got over 200,000 likes, 50,000 retweets, that sort of thing. So that's quite the viral move here. 
So what sort of brilliant thought warranted this level of social media engagement? Well, let me read it to you. I quote, if you think about it, period, people with glasses are literally paying to use their eyes. Capitalism is a bitch. Okay, let's break down this insane statement. First of all, I am thinking about it. People with glasses are literally paying to use their eyes. Well, let's break down the phrase literally. Um, even if you have poor eyesight, you can still use your eyes, correct? Okay, let's start there. Secondly, it's clear to me that using glasses is not about literally using your eyes. It's about improving your eyesight. And now let's break down the phrase, capitalism is a bitch. Now, I'm sure what this person's obvious objection to capitalism is, is that there's somebody profiting off of people who have reduced eyesight trying to improve their eyesight. Obviously, this in this person's eyes, huh, pun intended, in this person's eyes, this is unfair that some people have better eyesight than others, and others of us with poorer eyesight have to then pay money to get better eyesight. As this person calls it, quote, people with glasses are literally paying to use their eyes. Of course, in reality... We are mere human beings. We are mere animals living on a planet of scarcity. There is no such thing as unlimited glasses. There's no such thing as unlimited glass. There's no such thing as unlimited plastic or polyurethane. or I, I don't know. I'm talking out of the both sides of my mouth here. I'm not sure what your modern day glasses frame is made out of. But the point is, if all of us, if it was up to each and every one of us to make our own glasses when our, eye start, when our eyesight starts deteriorating, we'd all be screwed, right? There's no way. I don't even know how to make glass. I don't even know how to make plastic. And even if I did, can you imagine the resources that it would take if I were unable to trade with another human being, which is essentially what capitalism is, it's trade. It's trading with other people who are doing things efficiently. You trade your labor that you're doing efficiently for something that somebody else is doing efficiently. And how you become even more wealthy in a, quote, capitalistic environment is to is to fulfill the subjective values and needs of the consumer, of people, of people in real life. That's how you get rich in a capitalistic society. But apparently, we need to throw all of that away in order to just give people free glasses? I'm not totally sure how that works exactly, because there is no such thing as free glasses. There's no such thing as free glass. There's no such thing as a free glass f glasses frame. The idea that curbing free trade actually makes society a better place 
is actually an aggressive concept. And frankly, I don't think I've ever seen a better example of how aggressive sort of non-free trade is than the quote-unquote permit patty controversy that happened recently. She called the police on an eight-year-old little girl. You can hide all you want. The whole world gonna see you, boo. Yeah, and um, illegally selling water without a permit? Yeah. On my property. It's not your property. Hi, I'm having someone that um, does not have a vendor permit that's selling water across from the ballpark. So basically a bunch of people on the streets walking by who are a little parched on a summer day were more than willing to part with whatever voluntary amount of money that this young lady was charging for her bottled water that she had purchased. The, apparently the people on the streets were more than willing to give it to her. Now a lot of people would say, oh my goodness, this young lady is getting evil profit. How can, how dare she? Pro-? Like I'm sure this young lady was smart enough to buy this bottled water possibly at Costco or Sam's or something for $3 a pallet and then sell it for a dollar or two a, a unit on the streets just to make her some profit, make it worth her time. Some people would say that this is a problem. I would say this is the opposite of a problem. I'd say that there were obviously thirsty people who found themselves waterless and suddenly the value of water when you're in a place where you don't have water and it's very hot, suddenly the value of water goes up, doesn't it? See, that's all about the subjective theory of value. See, time value is quite the factor as well. Not only is a bird in the hand worth two in the bush, if you don't have a bottle of water in the Sahara Desert, yeah, I guess I might be willing to pay $500 for a bottle of water in the Sahara Desert. Why? Not because it costs $500 to produce that bottle of water, but because that's what I'm willing to to pay for it. And it probably costs an incredible amount of money to transport it, too. You probably had to send a drone or something. Now, this is an insane scenario I'm cooking up here. You're sending drone bottles of water in the Sahara Desert. But the point is, I would absolutely pay for that if I were stranded in a place where I were dying. There's nothing I wouldn't pay for a bottle of water. And I'd be happy with that transaction. That is a subjective value. What w- Aren't you happy that the person created the drone and is able to get the bottle of water to you? That's my point. Why do we care if that person profits? Why does Permit Patty care if the little girl profits on the bottle of water? The reality is it is her property. Permit Patty says, well, it's not your property. Well, certainly the bottle, the bottles of water are her property. She bought them somewhere, presumably. I'm pretty sure... <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I'm 100% sure that these people did not steal this water. I'm sure they bought it somewhere. I'm sure they bought it at Costco. They probably bought it in bulk and they thought, hey, there's some people who, there's tourists in this area. There's people who are walking by who want to get some water. 
by the way, I don't know how old this girl is, if she's 10 years old or whatever. I love her and her mother. I'm going to tell you that right now. I love that this girl had, that this is her attitude. She's like, hey, I'm going to hustle and get some water. By the way, mom, great job. I love not only that you're telling your daughter that she should get out there and hustle a little bit and try to make some money. That's so great. I love it. And not only that, I love that you pulled out your cell phone and shame this permit patty person. I love it so much. It makes me so happy. And I'll just say one more thing on the permit patty deal. A lot of people are focusing... I noticed a lot of outlets focused on the race element. See, I haven't brought this up until just now. See, in fact, this young lady and her mother are black. And Permit Patty, as the mother dubbed her on the video, is white. And is Permit Patty quote-unquote racist? Well, frankly, I don't know. I don't know if she's racist or not. Let's say that she's, let's say that she is, and, and let's say that she's not. Let's break down both scenarios. If she's not racist, then she's just a busybody person that I want no part of in society that feels that she needs to <laughs> regulate a simple water transaction between two willing parties. I don't want any part of that person. However, let's let's take the other scenario. Let's say Permit Patty is a racist. Let's say she's a card-carrying grand wizard of the KKK. And she saw a young black entrepreneur and she wanted to snuff out this young lady's entrepreneurship. If that is the case, I would point out that only the public property nature of the sidewalk was her only slight argument. I'd also point out that the permit nature of that arrangement gives her a slight amount of power as well. See, no one should need a permit to sell water, in my opinion. Particularly resold, sealed bottles of brand name water. Like, what in the world are we talking about here? Yes, people can figure this out. Yes, there are natural orders and laws and rules that emerge in life. Even in public property, which I abhor in many levels. Have you ever, I, I've taken, I've been on public property many, many times, whether it's a subway in New York the L in Chicago, the bus, whatever it happens to be, there's a natural order that emerges in all of these places. For instance, if you're a strapping young man like myself with a perfect nose, thanks, Aunt Jan. If you're sitting on the bus and some man tells you to get up, you say, what? No, I'm not getting up. Get out of here. No man would even really have the balls to say that because the natural order says, no, young guys, Hey, first come first serve. On the other hand, I'd like to think that a lot of young guys, if they see an elderly woman come on the bus on the L train, on the New York subway, whatever it happens to be that they would stand up and say, ma'am, would you like this seat here? And they, and you know, she would either accept or she wouldn't. What I'm trying to say is, is 
nobody would accept that it's a first come first serve thing. It's almost like homesteading. If you really think about it now, homesteading, there's an important concept I'm going to get into later here on the everybody trades podcast, but Hey, I digress as I often do on this show. Ultimately permit Patty is messing up the lives of the young lady who is trying to sell bottled water and the guy who is parched, who's trying to buy the water from her. To me, the reasons are completely secondary to the act. Like, the, the aggression of Permit Patty is the point here. However, having said that, I absolutely believe, actually, forget believe, nay, I know that racism is counterproductive for society in every sense, particularly in economic sense. But guess what? So is being a complete control freak. And I believe that racism and the sort of control freak mentality, they're sort of one and the same in a weird way. It's sort of, man. not every control freak's mentality manifests itself in a racist way, but it certainly manifests itself in control. And every racist that I'm aware of, that always manifests itself in control. It's always oh, these people should do this, or they should do that, or they should not do this, or they should not do that. That's not an attractive quality, regardless of the race of a human being. And you know why? Because it's aggression based on non-aggression. There are people that are making non-aggressive choices and decisions and mutually beneficial, at least in their own perception, agreements with other people. And then it's the others that come in and are aggressive and then mess it all up for the rest of us. So you know what, Permit Patty? You can get the F out of all of our lives. Whether you're a racist or not, if you're a racist, that's even worse. But even if you're not, Permit Patty, I still hate you. And that is the end of this episode. I've been playing